Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. I was, in part of my uh, research and preparation for this message, I was scrolling through Facebook yesterday. Now, I had the message pretty well together by then. But I came across this really funny little video meme, and all the best ones are of cats. So let's look at this for a second. And the caption, I love this, the caption was me searching Amazon for an extra week before Christmas. All right, that's enough of that. Still up there? Yeah, all right. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, even something, uh, I mean, and you know how much I look forward to Christmas, but whether you're looking forward to Christmas or any other holiday or a trip, maybe you're getting ready to go on vacation, you ever find yourself as you get closer to it thinking, I, I would enjoy this so much more if I just had a few more days before it got here. I need a few more days to shop, a few more days to pack, a, few more, a little more time to prepare got some cleaning to do, wrapping to do, arrangements to make. And it's the same way, I think, for a lot of people, when uh, guests are coming to you. Might be the, you can't wait to see this person, but when the time comes, oh man, I've got some clean, house cleaning to do, I've got some food to make. Uh, I remember, I am just barely old enough to remember uh, when a common practice seems like we used to do this on uh, Saturday evenings or Sunday afternoons. You'd go for a drive. Remember, I remember the Sunday drive. And then, but you didn't just drive around. Sometimes you just pull into somebody's driveway, knock on the door, visit, the drop-in. Just went calling. Well, people would come over to our house, and it was expe- it, there was nothing rude about it. No text, hey, I'm coming over, is it okay? If you got there and they were busy, you left. If they already had company, maybe you joined them, maybe you left. But this is just kind of the way the world works. And it worked that way a lot longer, might still, I don't know, uh, down south. I don't know how many of you have experienced genuine southern hospitality. I was visiting some friends in Mississippi, and people would come over, and it was like, hey, come on in. Let me get you something to eat. And the response was never, oh, no, 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 I just wanted to stay high. It was like, oh, thank you. Come on, sit down. I'll fix you a plate of spaghetti. What? And they'd make a meal for him, and they would stay and eat it. It was just like, let's just enjoy each other's uh, hospitality and food and friendship. Uh, But, wow, we live in a world today where that kind of drop-in is, man, don't ever come without letting me know you're coming first. You don't know what I'm wearing. You don't know what, uh, just how prepared or unprepared I am for that. There was a song from the 50s, and I'm not that old, but this song was popular enough for long enough that I heard it uh, enough in the 70s to remember it, and it was, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Does anybody else remember that song? If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake, baked the cake. And then it goes on to say, if you'd have dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band, the finest band in the land, and rolled out the set out the welcome mat for you. And it goes on, all this. It's a, it's a happy song, 
uh, that says, I'm glad you're here. Love to see you. I think so much of you, though, that if I'd had just a little heads up, I would have prepared a feast for you. I would have done something to give you a more, a more abundant welcome, something a little more extravagant. Now, sometimes we veer off again into some negative territory. You can't come here now. The house is a disaster. I have no coffee. Look what I'm wearing. But uh, without belaboring it, I think there are some obvious comparisons we can make between that attitude, you know, the, the drop-in visit, and, uh, you know, the bake-the-cake mentality, and being ready for Jesus. Now, this would normally be a good way to end a sermon like this, but I'm going to start with it this time. Because remember, the next big thing, we're celebrating Christmas, which was a big thing. And uh, in a few months, we'll celebrate Easter, the resurrection, which was the big thing. It's why without the resurrection, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas today. It would have meant nothing. But the next big thing is the return. He's coming back. And it's going to be wonderful for us. And he dropped us a note. He gave us a heads up. What did he say? I'm coming back soon, so keep watching. But he didn't include the day or the time. Dang it. I guess he just forgot, left that information out, right? There was a song uh, written by Keith Green and recorded magnificently by Matthew Ward of Second Chapter of Acts called Summer Snow. I don't know how many of you remember that song. It wasn't as big as if I knew you were coming out of Baked a Cake. But I'm going to read most of these lyrics. It says, Unexpectedly, you came back to see if I'd be waiting like I promised long before. Your shadow filled the room. The music changed its tune. When I saw you, you were standing at the door. Like summer snow, you were an unexpected sight. A blazing sun, you came shining in the night. Well, I really should have known that you'd be coming home. I waited patiently. I found it hard to see. If you were coming, why was there such a long delay? At times, I thought you lied, or else you would have tried to let me know that you were coming back today. Like summer snow, it falls around me in the cold. I can hear the echoes of the warnings I was told that I should know that you'd be coming home. But we read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. That's good news, isn't it? What's Paul saying here? Even we, we don't know the day or the hour, but the coming of the Lord will not come as a shock or surprise to us as long as we are walking in his light. What's the message? Stay ready. I don't know when he's coming, so I don't know when, I don't know when to get ready. You don't know when he's coming, so stay ready. Be ready because it could be today. It could be any day. Now let's get back to Christmas. I've made the point repeatedly 
that the coming of the Messiah was something that many people were actively looking for at the time of Jesus' birth. We talked about that. Didn't go into great detail, but just taking Daniel's prophecy, he lays out a timeline so that the Jew who was paying attention at this time, 2,000 years or, uh, or so ago, knew that he could be there any minute. And they wanted him there. But there were times, uh, especially since the captivity in Babylon, during the 400 years prior to Jesus, uh, especially, I, I think, where, where the people of Israel longed for Messiah, craved their deliverance, maybe even with greater intensity than they did under Roman rule. I can't prove that, but I think there were certainly times and episodes during those 400 years, what we call the 400 years of silence, because there's no prophetic word that was recorded during that time. But for hundreds of years, they anticipated his coming, but when he came, were they ready? If they knew the day, the hour, the location, would he have been born under such circumstances? If they knew he was coming to Bethlehem that night, maybe they'd have baked a cake. Maybe they'd have rolled out the red carpet, hired a band. Was it really the most convenient time? given the fact that the census was taking place? Could there have been a more convenient time, a more appropriate time, a more logical time? Like maybe before Rome took over, or maybe if you're going to pick a time, how about the high holy day of the year, the day of atonement? Wouldn't that have been a great day for the Messiah to show up? Is it just random timing? Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Whether it seemed logical, or whether it seemed convenient or not, the time Jesus came was the right time. It was the fullness of time. Have you ever commented on something that's stressing you out, causing you difficulty, and you have somebody respond this way, welcome to my world? Anybody ever said that? I've said it. It's kind of a backhanded expression of sympathy, isn't it? We're not saying that what you're going through is no big deal. Don't mean to say that. That's not really the way I mean it. We're saying, I've not only been there and done that, but that's what my life seems like all the time. We probably ought to watch our confession now that I think about it. <laughs> Here's why that phrase has been running around in my mind for a few weeks. Jesus showed up in Bethlehem a little over 2,000 years ago, again, at the right time, according to God. And not everyone was ready, even the ones who thought they were ready. The reason they weren't ready is because he didn't come the way they thought he should come, and he didn't do exactly what they thought he should do. And when he comes back, he's coming back at a time that God has already determined, and not everybody will be ready for it. But we can't change that. That we can change, we can do what we can to make people ready. We can't change the time. We can't change the day or the hour. And bring it down to a personal level. 
Make it about today. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is it not a good time? Maybe you got some cleaning up to do. Maybe your life is a mess. Maybe you pictured the day, because you're not an idiot. You're not a pagan. Deep down you believe. And maybe you pictured the day when you would get serious about your faith. You just didn't think it would be today. But Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. There's an invitation. What are you going to say to him? Come back later. You're important to me. I guess, in principle, you are the most important thing to me and in the universe. It's just not a good time. I'm a little embarrassed to be seen like this. It's like somebody doing the drop-in. You don't want to answer the door in your pajamas or less. But look, he knows. He knows the person at whose door he is knocking. He knows the condition of your household, your life. And he wants to come in. And he wants to give you something. There's an old Yiddish or Jewish joke about... Uh, person calling uh, friends of theirs who've just moved, and they say, uh, can you give me directions? I want to come see you. I want to come see the new place. Okay, well, here's what you do. You, uh, you get in the car. Uh, you'll have to open it with your elbow, slide in, pull the car door shut with your foot, and when you get there, use your knee to open the car door, step out, kick the door shut, come to this building, uh, push the button with your elbow or with, maybe with your nose. The door will open. Then you get to the elba elevator. Uh, hit the call button. Uh, use your, use the, uh, you can use your foot or your elbow to push the buttons on the floor. And then when you get there, just kick the door so that we know you're here. He said, why, why are you telling me to use my, my, my feet, my elbows, my nose, my shoulders and stuff? And they said, what? You're coming empty-handed? We just assume you're, when you come, you're going to bring something. Well, when Jesus shows up, he brings something. He wants to give you something. But he's not just doing the drop-in visit and leaving. He wants to stay, and he's made that clear. Now, the fellowship will be sweeter than you can imagine when you invite him in. But, as I think we sort of talked about last week for a moment anyway, when he comes in, he will mess up your mess. The only thing you can say when you realize he wants in, if you're not going to outright reject him, is say what? Welcome to my world. All of it. Jesus says, I want to take your sin away, and we have to say, you're welcome to it which is harder than it sounds because there's sin in your life, sin in my life perhaps that we cherish. We have a hard time letting go. But he says, I want to take it all away because it's bad for you. It's killing you. It's keeping us separate. Because he also says this, I want to take away also not just your sin but your pain, your sickness, your lack, your depression, and I want to replace it with healing and abundance and joy. 
I want to take you out of darkness and move you into light. I want to take you out of death and put you into life. And you see, it's one thing to hear that. If you're living in the absolute dumps, if you're poor, by the world standards, you're poor, uh, and you're sick, you're unhappy, your family's messed up, you hate your job, you hate your life, well, maybe what Jesus offers sounds better. Maybe anything sounds better than where you're at right now. But we need to be aware, and the Word of God makes this clear, uh, warns us again and again that worldly riches, bodily health, social status and prominence, all the things that make us love our life can actually be an impediment to our ability to see Jesus and his offer for what they are. Emily, you can be making your way up here. You see, first, as good as my life might be, I'm still a sinner in need of salvation. It doesn't matter how much I'm enjoying it. It doesn't matter how much I feel like I need saved at this moment. The biblical truth is we all need salvation, and Jesus is the only one who can offer it to us and provide it for us. The second one, though, is this, that no matter how good your life is, the life Jesus offers is immeasurably better. Better than where you're at and better than anything the world has to offer. God loved us, loved all of us so much that he gave his son. Jesus loves us so much that he came willingly. He stepped into our mess, into our brokenness, into our unreadiness, into our world. And he rose again in our world, all so that we could live one day with him in his. When we say, welcome to my world, we say it because we're relieved that someone has gotten a taste of what our life is like. You know what I'm saying? Aha, finally, yeah, welcome to my world. But see, that's exactly what the incarnation was about. In Hebrews chapter 4, Beginning in, in verse 14, it says this, Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He came into this world to take all of that on so that he could know exactly, so that we would know that he knows exactly what we are going through. Think about that as we hear this song. Whatever made me think I could get up here and speak after that. I was talking to Emily before the service. I said, if she has a hard time getting through that song, don't look at me while she's singing it because I can't sing along with that song in the car without crying. There's so much good stuff in there. I start to lose it on the line that says, word now breaking heaven's silence. And it just goes on and on. When you think about his arrival, 
There's so, so many beautiful things about this season and about this day. But when you think about what he left and what he stepped into, he did it for me and he did it for you. Stand up with me for just a moment. We're going to take communion as a church here in a little bit, and we'll sit back down for that. And we're about done, but I want to do this first. I know most of you. I know some of you uh, better than I know others. But I want to make sure everybody has had a chance to respond to that invitation. It's God's invitation. For right now, I'm just his mouthpiece. But the offer has stood since the cross. Because as joyful as this season is, and I think it's perfectly appropriate to celebrate all of the joyous aspects of this, to marvel just the beauty of this, of this holiday, but let's never forget what he came for. He came to die. He came to shed his blood to buy us back into the favor of God. God himself paid our way. Again, it's a gift. This isn't, all right, do you want to be saved? Because here's a list of things you have to do to get there. And it's so important don't even think about not doing them. No, it's Jesus saying, here I am. This is what I came for, to give you salvation. What's our part? We receive it. We realize, well, I've got all this stuff that I don't want to give him. I'm not going to give him my life. And Jesus is like, you're going to learn this. You need to know this. You're dead already. The life you're giving me isn't really life. So give me that old life, that dead life. I'll give you new life. I'll give you purpose. You think you've got purpose now? I have had a plan for you. And I'm going to set you on it. When you receive this gift, I come with a lot more gifts. I bring the Holy Spirit to empower you. You'll find that once you receive that gift of life, when Jesus himself is in your heart that you will understand the Bible like you never could before. The Holy Spirit himself teaches you. It's all so good and it's all so necessary. And in the end, when this short life is over, it's about heaven and hell. You can truly, there's all sorts of things to please the eye and the ear and the senses this time of year. The smells, the tastes, but you can only truly enjoy this season when you have received God's gift, God's Christmas present to you. How do you know if you've done that? If you've done it, you know. If you don't know, then you haven't. Because it's simply a matter of saying, I, I get it, I recognize, I can't save myself, I need a Savior. That's what the cross was for. That's ultimately what Christmas was for. I need that Savior, and I want to give God my life today. I want to receive the life he has for me today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying that death in my place. Thank you, God, for giving your son. I receive that gift of life, and you can have my life and turn it into something that's worth giving. If you desire to make that confession today, 
to pray that prayer today, I'm just going to invite you to come up here. We're going to sing a, a short song here. Don't be embarrassed. I'm going to pray. But don't let pride, don't let uh, self-consciousness or anything keep you from receiving the greatest gift of all. Heavenly Father, thank you. And welcome to our world. <laughs> Thanks for stepping into this world, messing up our mess and cleaning up our mess and for the new life and the eternal life that you offer. Father, it's my prayer that if there is anyone within the sound of my voice who has not received that free gift of salvation, that free gift of eternal life, that you would impress upon them the urgency of the moment. Convince them, as only you can, that this is what they need and is something that once they receive it, they'll realize it's what they've wanted their whole life. Grant them the boldness, the wisdom, and the humility to receive that gift today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you come. Let me pray with you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.